time for the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Welcome. This is the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Today, our guest is an original founding board member of ARMA, longtime advocate for Central Texas manufacturing, and a former CEO of Dynamic Manufacturing Solutions. He's held executive positions across multiple companies and spent a career developing advanced technologies for semiconductor and biopharmaceuticals. But recently, he changed to work in the electric vehicle sector, and he's leading a large development of a new facility in Georgetown, Texas. He is someone I've been wanting to have on the show for quite some time because he's doing interesting things, and I believe Cellink, his new company, is going to be an integral part of the industrial community that we are becoming, building the technologies of the future. Rob Misso, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this. I am the Global Vice President of Operations for Selling Corporation. I'm very excited. We're, today, we're building a 300,000 square foot facility in Georgetown, Texas. I mean, right now, we're scheduled to be the largest employer in Georgetown. The, uh, the company has is, is got, got a very dynamic focus in a number of different applications from the electrical system on satellites to rockets taking satellites to space, but the higher volume, the electric vehicle market. So we're in a, a very strong position in building the electric system to support the distribution of power of a battery pack through a car. So it's, it's, you know, it's all about the electrification of movement. The company was founded approximately seven years ago. So we were a group of absolute brilliant PhD engineers at a Stanford developed a technology and, and they've applied it to this industry where it fits extremely well. Um, the company has been very successful in penetrating key major manufacturers in the automotive industry. And we now are in, in some instances, the kind of the backbone of those vehicles. Um, the, the, the company today is based in San Carlos, California. We have relocated or re relocating our key manufacturing to Georgetown. And in that process, we're going to keep the San Carlos facility as our headquarters, but it'll really focus on R&D and, and product development. While in Georgetown, we'll be doing the manufacturing to support the, the electrification of movement um, in the automotive industry. Well, you know, I'm very interested in what Cellink is doing, and I think it's great they selected Central Texas, you know, certainly being a uh, company that's driving technology Everything that's happening here, you know, seems like a great fit. I mean, we are creating technologies that are really of the future. Uh, I see it in electric vehicles. I see it in semiconductors. I see it in energy. And I think you all are going to be at the nexus of that. So um, it's very exciting. But, but Rob, I mean, I've known you for a long time. You know, you're a friend. I watch you grow DMS to be a successful company. You could have done anything you wanted to do you know, including fly fishing, you know, for a living, you know, why choose Selink? What is it that makes you want to dedicate your time to this company right now? You know, that's a, that's a really good question. So, uh, you know, I, where I'm at in my career, I love manufacturing. So uh, manufacturing is truly a team sport. I mean, it's, it's an opportunity for a group of people to work together for a common goal um, and make something substantial happen. And Selink has what DMS never had. So DMS, we, we loved what we did and we had, we had an incredible team, but we never had intellectual property. We never had a product that was revolutionary that we could stand behind. And I looked at Cellink as an opportunity to really uh, manufacture a product that's revolutionary that can change a whole market, a whole industry. And at the same time, build a manufacturing team in Texas to do so. And that's, to me, that's, um, I get excited. I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, there's not a lot of, there's, I mean, I love to fly fish. Don't get me wrong. I love to snow <laughs> ski. I love Colorado, but there's not a lot 
there's not a lot of things I'd rather be doing than what I'm doing right now. So I'm, I'm very excited about selling. And what's really cool, I mean, there's a number of individuals that have we've, we've pulled together into selling that we've, we've all worked together before. We've all got experiences together. We know each other. We know how we know our, each other's weaknesses. We know each other's strengths. So it, it's a it's a, a team of folks that really have a leadership and culture focus that I think um, is a, a good formula with with a great product with good intellectual property which we have great intellectual property and the right culture and and the right group of people I just I'm excited about where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, talk about the technology for a second, and not just the technology of of selling, but you know what's happening in EVs and solar energy. I mean, what are you excited about that's really drawing you into this business? You know, I uh, I drive an EV. You know, I, uh, I've got solar panels, you know, I'm a conservationist at heart. So I think, um, I think what we're doing, it, it, it's, it's important. I mean, it, it, it's adding value to the world, but I, I think that there's so much. So when I started, let me step back when I started in the semiconductor industry and I, and I'm, you know, it, it's been, God, it's been a few years. I mean, there was a lot of change and innovation. There was a lot of growth. It, it was, it was not a commodity a commoditized market. It was truly innovation and growth and change. And I look at what we're doing right now in the EV market and, and the all of the companies that are jumping on board, I, I think this is a an opportunity for a lot of change. I think we're gonna see a lot of uh, a lot of technology expanding, growing, and becoming more capable in the next the next five, actually really the next couple of years, but definitely the next five, 10 years. And I see I see Cellink as being kind of a core part of that process. Um, I mean, and for example, and I think I've mentioned this to you in the past. I mean, our technology enables a vehicle per charge on average, go 40 miles further. And, you know, the, the concerns I had when I, when I, you know, I still have my F-150 just so you know, so I still have a, a gas guzzler, big truck. Hey but man, when not I just in, an F-150, but a, a Raptor, well, right? A Raptor. So it's about as, about as ungreen as you can possibly imagine, but I still love my truck. But the, my concern in buying a Tesla, and I bought the Tesla before I joined Selling for the just for the record. So it, it, it came it came before. Maybe I was seeing the future before I realized it was going to happen. But my biggest concern, number one, was um, range, range anxiety. I mean, not, not not running out of power. I mean, what do you do? I mean, and then the other one was safety. I didn't want to have the, the, you know, the vehicle catch on fire. I mean, you hear a lot of negative press around electric vehicles. And and what when I dug in and went and visited Selling and talked with the engineers and understood the technology, so our technology keeps vehicles safe. Um, it, 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 it keeps the, the power system, the battery system safe, the way that it operates on the way that controls and, and it breaks down the battery pack. And it also it extends the range of the vehicle. It, it's, it's, it reduces the weight of the vehicle, but it also handles the power more, I guess, in a, in a more safe manner. And so it's, it's something I just, I can, I just believe in it. So to believe in what you're doing and to love the people you're working with and doing it where you want to, want to, you know, in, in central Texas, it's, it's a pretty cool deal. I'm excited. I don't know uh, if many of our listeners have really ever seen a battery pack or, or see how they're made, but um, you know, I was lucky enough to get a C some and it, and, and my um, non-technological terms, it looked like a bunch of double D batteries being packed into uh, a case. And I've heard that um, some of your technology helps control individual cells in that pack. Is that true? That is correct. So, I mean, and you look at, and it goes back to my, 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 one of my two fears when I was uh, looking at buying an electric vehicle and probably why I was, I mean, there are people that were very early adopters. I was an adopter, let's say last August. So I've had my vehicle for one year. Um, and, and the, the safety of a battery pack, um, um, the, the, the way that we design our product and the way it's a flexible circuit, um, replacing the wire harness. So 
it, it basically it, it separates each call it a D cell, but each individual for you know each individual battery cell into its 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 own measurable um, device. So if one battery cell has a current problem, a, a, temp, a temp overload problem, it has something that's going wrong with that battery cell. We're able to isolate that battery cell. Un, I mean, unbeknown to the the person driving the vehicle, it, it's all done automatically to keep that power pack safe. And, you know, and I had somebody tell me, and this was um, an engineer from one of the automotive companies that in a typical battery pack um, over, over the years, you might have, you know, anywhere from one to 5% of the battery cells, the battery batteries go bad in that pack. Um, the key is how does the system manage those batteries in that pack when they do go bad? And what our technology does, it keeps them safe. It, it, it makes it so it's, it's really, you might lose a little bit of range. I'm talking, to, I mean, a very small percentage of a percentage but but it keeps the battery pack safe, and that for me, it, that's 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 important. That's a key deal. So I mean, we're keeping people safe, we're making the world greener, and we're uh, we're building a product that's going to hopefully help motivate a whole industry um, to be successful, which is the electrification of of automobiles, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty exciting. So talk about where the company is right now. Like, what are the challenges, and what are you dealing with specifically? So I tell you what. Um, you know, we're a, we're a growing company. Um, we're growing very, very fast. I mean, we, the company, I, you know, and I, I, this, don't quote me on this, but you're obviously going to quote me on this. <laughs> so um, I think we had, you know, a year ago, I think we had maybe 45 employees in the company. Um, um, today we're 185 employees. So, um, and we're, we're going to be go, I mean, this is in California and Texas. And then in the Austin facility, by January, February, we're going to be hiring, you know, well over 100 employees that's they're going to operate just in Texas. So we're in a we're in a, a very, very steep growth growth path. Um, but what what's really cool and unique about our technology, it's very automated. The, the manufacturing process is very automated. So these these are really good, um, high tech, um, sustainable jobs. Um, these aren't jobs that are going to go up and down based on. The, the market trends. These are jobs that I think are going to be very secure in this space and in this market. Mm -hmm. um, now, the challenges, the other challenges. So, you know, a lot of companies, we're, I mean, we're going into a market, I believe it's going to be a little scary. I think we're going to have, I mean, who knows if, are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Is high tech doing well? Is high tech not doing well? I mean, uh, we've got supply chain issues. So Cellink, um, my, my CEO, Kevin Coakley, he, he was, he, he did an, an absolute brilliant job raising capital, doing a, a very successful D round funding at the right time. So in February, I think it's January, February timeframe, we raised $250 million. Just, and it, that money is, it was to support the build of uh, factories um, to, to scale the manufacturing of the company. And so we are, from a cash perspective, we're in a very good position. From a technology position, we're in a very good position. I think the hiring of good people, I think um, scaling up um, and getting good people to, to join the team in a market that's very competitive. Um, and we have a lot of competition, as we all know, in Central Texas for, for labor. I think that's going to be our biggest challenge. But I think the secret to that and, and why I'm not I'm not so worried about that is culture and leadership. I truly believe we're going to build, we are building, and it's similar to our strategy at DMS, is build a culture where, pe where people really feel that they're invested in what we're doing and their fingerprint is on what we do every day. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's it's not just about um, getting a paycheck. It, it's it it it's a lot more than that. 
And when you can build a group, a group of folks that are all excited about the, the direction we're going in, and we're all going in the same direction. And on a Monday morning, you walk around the facility and people are smiling, you're successful. And, and we're, we're going to make that happen. And so I, I, I'm confident we'll be able to grow this and hire the people we need to hire. You know, it's kind of an irony of Central Texas, and I, I've said it uh, on this show before, but, um, you know, companies move here because there's such a strong advanced manufacturing workforce. I mean, there's 67,000 workers in advanced manufacturing. Uh, it's projected to grow significantly over the next two years. But, you know, the irony is also that um, there's a lot of companies fighting for those 67,000 people. But I want to hear I want to hear about the skills that are needed Oh, selling to succeed like what do you need from well, a technical standpoint okay I'll, I'll i'll answer that let me ask let me let me add one more which is kind of interesting because i i you know i had the opportunity to see um the the recruiting process of of local communities trying to get cell link to build their factory in a certain area and we we broke it down we actually um the company had a number of different areas in the country they looked at and in the end it was between nashville tennessee which is an incredible area, by the way, in Austin, Texas, Central Texas. And um, so state of Tennessee, um, I mean, it, it was double, maybe, it probably would have ended up being triple um, the funding they were going to provide to selling to choose that area um, compared to Central Texas and Texas and the way that we have our, have the way, way we set things up in Central Texas. And the company still selected Texas and um, a lot of it's because of the question you just asked me. It's because of the the um, digging into the ACC and Texas State Technical College, and the, the even the perspective of the local high schools of the skilled trades and how important that is to our community. Um, I mean, we we the company felt that the we would have a better opportunity of hiring the right skill set and, and levels here than we would anywhere else in the country. Even in a even in a market where we've got the Samsungs and the the applied materials and the you name the company growing and, and bursting at the seams, we still felt that um, Texas was Austin, Texas was the place to go. And I, I think that's a big testament to the programs we have at ACC and uh, TSTC. And that's driven, I think, a lot by ARMA um, helping kind of lead them down the path to say, "Hey, this is important." I mean, it's it's that advocacy, it's that voice for us. For you were you were, I mean, ARMA was the voice. In, in that process that helped DMS, I think um, that voice is what's driving a lot of companies to say, wait a minute, even though maybe some of the metrics say you might be better off somewhere else, um, the true intangible, which is skilled workforce, um, Austin's a better place. So as a company, I mean, we're hiring um, a lot of mechanical assemblers, electrical assemblers, um, really on from my past, it was welders. We do have some welding in the process, a much um, kind of an e-beam and some interesting welding we'll be doing. But but most of the folks we'll be hiring will be more on the electrical side, electrical assembly and um, um, people with board experience, although our process is not a standard circuit board type process. But that, that's definitely a bonus. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I appreciate the plug for ARMA. You know, we've worked hard on creating that workforce pipeline, getting involved with the K through 12 system. And I think some of those efforts are really starting to bear fruit. And and some of it's around economic development, like selling, choosing, you know, places like Central Texas. Um, I'm really excited to watch this workforce come in and to see these products get made here. Uh, you know, one of the things you've been passionate about over your career is made in America. Um, you know, that we can do it here and it should be done here and that the real quality and technology is created in this country. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about 
you know, how the United States is going to compete and win in this new kind of global economy and advanced manufacturing. You, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. Um, I think, but I, I think we're winning. So, and it, this will sound weird if there's, I mean, if there's anything that came, came out positive of this COVID period of time, this reality, I think what we've come through, I think that the um, local governments, I think the federal government, I think everybody realizes now how important manufacturing is um, in our country. Um, I think the, I mean, the Chips for America Act that that's, that's um, going through Congress, I, I think, I mean, would that have gone through Congress before COVID? I don't think so. I, I think it's now a new realization that this is really important. Um, and, and it's interesting. I mean, when ARMA was started, um, you know, manufacturing was really cool and really important. We all knew that. But the local politicians, when you ask them, you know, what, what's the largest contributor to GDP in our, in our area or what's one of the major ones, manufacturing wouldn't have been on the list although it was the number one um, contributor to GDP besides government entities. So I, I think I think now everybody knows that. And I think now manufacturing has become something that's a lot more recognized as a as a, a skill set and an opportunity, not only for uh, people like me, but for young people coming out of high school, um, looking at going, hey, what am I going to do for the rest of my life for a living? Um, I, I just, I, I think uh, I'm very optimistic. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of pessimism in the world right now and a lot of negativity, but I really believe that we have woken up and I believe the innovation that we have in our country and our ability to do things um, smart, um, the right way, not focus on just cheap labor, but doing it through the right process, through automation, through through uh, a more high quality manufacturing process. I think we're in a really good spot. Ed. I mean, I and I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And so I truly believe it's I mean, we we're we've woken up. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that. And I think that's a testament to why Tesla built their factory in Austin, Texas. I think it's a testament to why Samsung's expanding here in the U.S. and in, in Austin, why TS, TSTC is building a factory in Arizona. I mean, those industries, I mean, they see that the quality of the workmanship, it's no longer, hey, where can I get the cheaper labor? It's now where can I get the higher quality workforce? And, and where can I trust intellectual property? Where can I trust that my products are going to be protected? Um, in the world market. And I think we're in a good spot for that. Yeah. And I, I'd say the uh, snarls of the shipping channels and shipping ports have uh, only uh, made that case more clear. But, the, but those problems, those problems were difficult um, for all of us, but those were the same problems that they had in China and Europe and Korea. It, it wasn't, that wasn't unique to the United States. Mm -hmm. I and mean, we've gone, we've gone through a, a really tough time. Um, but I, I do believe we're coming out of it. And I believe, I believe the future is really bright. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I wouldn't have said 10 years ago, um, you know, that we necessarily had a, a smart industrial policy in the United States. Um, you and I have both seen Democrat and Republican administrations, um, you know, not, but they, they talk a lot about manufacturing, but we haven't seen it really coalesce in policy. And um, there really has been a true bipartisan support in the past year and a half around um, creating domestic capabilities in a few core areas, semiconductors being one, which we just saw the CHIPS Act, what you talked about. But also in this new infrastructure bill, there's a lot of talk about supporting the emerging EV market. And um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, what's need to be put in place. So um, do you think those things are going to foster success at Sollink? I do. Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's still, it's still going to be a world market. I still think there's opportunities. That, so from a Sollink perspective, um, I foresee us having a, a, a facility probably in Europe at one point, some, you know, you know, down the road. Um, but I, I, 
I, I think that the reason the, that market is here and the reason that um, I think it's going to grow and develop and innovate here, it's because of, um, I think we've woken up. I think our politicians have woken up. And like you said, we were in DC together at, with the Austin Chamber trip a couple of weeks ago. And and I would agree. I mean, we, we met with people from, you know, Congress, you know, people from both sides of the aisle. And I think everybody like Chips for America Act, I didn't have anybody say, hey, that's a mistake. You know, we don't care about that. That's not important. I think everybody understands. I mean, I think this is, um, I think the pharmaceutical industry, which, so DMS in our past, we supported the pharmaceutical industry, the food food and beverage industry, and also semiconductor, um, and a little bit of industrial. I think all of those industries, pharmaceutical and semiconductor are really critical in the US. And then innovation of green energy and um, um, the electric vehicle industry, I think is really very, very important. So I think it's something we need to, you know, we need to make sure we are the le the leaders in that. And I think we are, I think we will be. Mm -hmm. What do you think, um, what do you think is the next step after this CHIPS Act and, and the infrastructure bill? Do you think there's something else federal government can be doing to really support industry in the United States? Boy, I, you know what? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, and I have a lot of I have a lot of things I could say to that, but I, I would I would rather just re reserve my perspective <laughs> on that. So since this is a public conversation, but, you know, what, I, I think I actually think we um, I think, you know, I think there's a onus an ownership to industry um, to be responsible. So, you know, and this so I'll kind of probably cross the line here. But I think when companies choose to develop and build a factory in an area where where um, human beings are being taken advantage of and treated very poorly and are being treated like, you know, we, we, I mean, we would never treat people like that in this country. I think there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of ownership on those companies to say, wait a minute, why am I going to stand for that just because it's cheaper? I mean, I think at some point we've got to make decisions that's better for, for you know, mankind. I mean, for, for the humans on this planet um, to take care of people. And I think we, if, if we, if we vote in the world market and industry, with um, with a perspective of people, people should be respected. They should be treated with dignity. Um, they should be taken care of. They shouldn't be abused. No matter where we operate out of in the world, I think it'll drive a lot of other countries that may not be treating people the way they should be treated to change. I think, but but the government can only do so much. I think industry has to step up and make good decisions. But it's hard because we have a we have a market. It's capitalism. It's driven by driven by financial success. So it's just a difficult thing. I mean, I think um, I think it'll be I'll be very curious to see what happens with China and Taiwan. I mean, that's going to and, and it's not what it's not what the government, the U.S. does. It's really what what are, what are the all the companies that operate out of China? How do they handle what's going on over there? I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just curious. I mean, I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next three, five years. Um, I think it's going to drive a lot of really good companies to, to really hunker down and, and look at manufacturing more and more in Europe and the US um, and less in areas that may not be as friendly to, to human rights. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, there's um, kind of an analogous scenario happening right now in Europe with uh, Russia and the Ukraine. And obviously it was a lot easier for American companies to divest out of Russia where, you know, divesting out of China would be a little bit more disruptive. Um, well, and talk about um, the Ukraine. So, and, and I didn't know this until recently, the majority or a, a great deal of the, the automotive wire harnesses utilized in the European markets by all the, the major European manufacturers that we all know and, and, and I actually love 
<laughs> um, they, they, um, a lot of those wire harnesses came out of the Ukraine area. And it's, it's very sad, but a lot of those companies are there. They no longer exist. I mean, they've been, they've been shelved to the point where they're a pile of rubble. So it, it, um, it's, it's, it's very, very sad on one hand, but I tell you what, it's creating one heck of an opportunity for companies around the world to fill that gap and um, selling is one of them. So we, we have an opportunity to help. And, and you look at the United States and manufacturing in the US, we're very stable, um, we're very secure. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great environment for manufacturing. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a reliable supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's gonna benefit us over the long run because I mean, we are a, um, a stable environment. Yeah, one of the things I'm tracking, it kind of goes back to our earlier workforce discussion, though, as, as you know, things become more automated and automation becomes more effective in a wider range of manufacturing applications, uh, we're going to be in a better position to compete um, from a labor perspective. But um, where does that lead you to think about skills of the future for your factory? As you're building factories and thinking about a workforce down the road, like, what do you think we need to be building and concentrating on? in central Texas to develop skills. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, I think robotics is very important. I think, um, automation, um, I, I think is very important. I think a lot of, if you look at manufacturing today, even, even in some of the, like, um, even in my, my past life, I mean, the, um, the, the welding process is more and more of that is done by a robot, not by a person. Now, and I, and I've gone through this over the, over the last 10 years, 10 years ago, people would say, Oh, that's awful. Cause you're replacing people's jobs. But, it's, you know, it's not really, because what you're doing is you're creating jobs here in the local economy that are stable, that are secure, that aren't going to be replaced by wherever the next cheap labor market is. Um, because once that automation sets itself and establishes itself, you're no longer competing based on a, um, a labor rate. You're now competing on innovation and skills. And I, I would put the United States against anybody in the world based on innovation and skills. Um, and I think that's going to help our market. I think it's going to make the jobs that we do have in the central Texas area more stable. Now, ACC, TSTC, I think they need to really invest in the technology to train their students to be able to support the work that the industry needs. And I think industry needs to work side by side with, with those institutions to help them understand what is needed. And then also, you know, at sometimes, I mean, it might, it, we, we may need to help fund some of the resources or some of the technology for them to teach the students with. Um, I think that's probably uh, something that's that's very important just because the, the, the cost um, and the, the barrier of entry into that process. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that here locally, uh, you know, as automation has, has increased, um, the labor force has increased. It's not like there's been any kind of loss of jobs and actually the average salary has, has gone up as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Average salary being over $100,000 a year now, and actually it's $170,000 a year in semiconductor, which Isn't is obviously crazy? highly automated. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you know, right. You know, I, I choose to get out of semiconductor right when the market goes really, really good. <laughs> I go, I figure that's just, it's too easy now in semiconductor. And I'm just kidding. It's not easy, but. Uh, hey man, I think you just might be a leading indicator. You know, it was really good in semiconductor when you left, but I think uh, you're on to the next hot industry and it's, it's going to be a really good I, I run so. for EVs as well. I'm pretty excited about it. So, um, you know, Rob, you've been uh, a founding board member of ARMA and uh, integri- uh, an integral part of our community. Um, you're involved with a lot of things. You know, you really give back to the community. You speak at public events. You get involved with young people. Um, you've been involved with the chamber as well. I've talked a little bit about that. But just personally, you know, what is the return to you and um, why do you get involved? Well, you know, it's interesting. So, um, like this, the job I have at Selling, 
um, I wouldn't have today. I wouldn't have had, I would not have this opportunity if it wasn't for the journey that we've all taken together at ARMA and with the, with the chamber and, and um, I mean, working with TSTC and working with ACC. I mean, I, I think that you know, the more you give, the more you get back. Um, and, and really, if you look at your team and you're building a company, um, the culture that you create and the, the shared ideas and the, um, the I mean, re recruiting, giving people opportunity, um, the training opportunities, it, it, it honestly, it's been, a, it's been the secret to DMS's success. And I've seen companies, I mean, I've worked for companies that, that do it where they, they really contribute, they really get involved, they really participate in the local community and they try to, I mean, they, they try to be a part of the process. And I've worked for companies that are, you know, that, that don't, that believe that, nope, that's a waste of time. And I can tell you the, 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 the companies that actually really um, give and, and, and give their employees the opportunity to grow and expand and be a part of the process in the community, um, those employees, number one, are loyal. And they're not loyal to a paycheck. They're loyal to what they're learning. They're loyal to the company. They're loyal to the, the leadership of the organization, the culture. And, and you learn things. I mean, there's, there's things that I do today and believe today that I would have never, I would have never figured out on my own. I mean, I, I've learned from um, other board members at ARMA through, through conversations with um, teachers and guidance counselors and um, people at TSTC. And I mean, I, I mean, I tell you what, it, it's, it's silly to close to close your doors and say, "Hey, I'm my own little island, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and and uh, anything else is a waste of my time." Because we're not a we're not a little island. We've we've got to we've got to really work and share ideas and learn from others um, to grow and be a better company. And I think the 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 especially Arma. And I know I sound like a commercial, and I'm not trying to sound like a commercial. But hey, we appreciate commercials. Arma, Arma's really done. I mean, it's it's really done a lot for me personally. I mean, I would have never gone on a trip to Washington D.C with the Austin Chamber, if it wasn't for you going, hey, Rob, you may like this. Why don't you come check this out? Um, and I've learned so much. I mean, I now, I mean, it, it's it's so cool to now see how the government works, being a part of, you know, working and you know, talking to Congress about the Chips for America Act, um, trying, you know, working with, I mean, meeting with the Secretary of Labor for the United States about labor needs and and welding requirements and trade schools requirements. And I, I go, it, it, it um, for me, it, it just fills my cup. But but also, I don't I would not be here. I would not be in the position I, I'm in if I hadn't taken that path. Um, and I, 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 I feel bad for folks that don't see the value in that. Um, I don't mm -hmm. know. If that, does that answer your question? Yeah, or? no, totally. And, and I want to also share back, you know, that you've been a terrific advocate for for manufacturers in Central Texas. And, um, you know, the work you're doing in the community, I think, is really bringing a lot back from from people that maybe weren't as aware about manufacturing in central Texas and, and you're really helping bring their eyes to our industry. And in turn, that's, I think, strengthening our environment. So really appreciate everything you do. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, like I said, manufacturing is a team sport and I love team sports. Well, Hey, we got a great team here. And, uh, when I say that, I mean a team at Arma a team in this community. And, um, you know, I, I think that might be a good place to wrap it up today, Rob. I, I really appreciate your time on this conversation and, uh, look forward to seeing what you do at Cellink. Hey, Ed, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I look forward to getting Cellink very involved with Arma. So, um, we're going to have a lot of fun. This is the Manufacturing Austin podcast sponsored by Texas Mutual. We'll see you next time.